All right, we're in Genesis 34. I'm going to read some of that. And you who are here, would you stand as we honor God's word? I hope you have your Bibles watching at home and here. I believe that that is essential. It's our manual. It's our life manual. It's God's word. So every time we read it, we hear it, we memorize it, whatever, that's God speaking every time. So we would do well to know the word of God. We would do well to hide it in our hearts. We would do well that it becomes our language actually. So in Genesis 34, two wrongs, one right. Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, who was, also, who was uh, married to Jacob, one of his wives, whom she had born to Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, prince of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her and violated her. He raped her. His soul was strongly attracted to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the young woman and spoke kindly to the young woman. So Shechem spoke to his father Hamor, saying, Get me this young woman as a wife. And Jacob heard that he had defiled Dinah, his daughter. Now his sons were with his livestock in the field, so Jacob held his peace until they came. Then Hamor, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him. And the sons of Jacob came in from the field when they heard it, and the men were grieved and very angry because he had done a disgraceful thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter, a thing which ought not to be done. Go to verse 25. Now it came to pass on the third day when they were in pain, these are the men of Shechem, uh, that two of the sons of Jacob and Levi, Dinah's brothers, full brother, full sister, same mom, Leah, each took his sword and came boldly upon the city and killed all the males. And they killed Hamor and Shechem, his son, with the edge of the sword, and took Dinah from Shechem's house and went out. Lord, we ask in Jesus' name that you give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church this morning. Lord, we have your word open. We know that your Holy Spirit comes and teaches us all things. Brings to remembrance what you've commanded us, guides us into all truth. So, Lord, we trust that as we are opening the Bible, as we're reading the Word, as we're going to continue to include many scriptures this morning, that you would that you are going to speak to us, and by the Word of God, our faith comes. As we get take your word to heart, our faith is built up. Holy faith. Lord, as we take to heart the things that you've said, not just to hear them, but then to apply them. Lord, I'm asking the things that I prepared this morning, you break them fresh and feed us. We're hungry. We're hungry to know you. We're hungry to hear your voice. We're hungry to love you by obeying you and living our lives in such a way that it's going to make a difference. And Lord, in our world that we're living in right now, our country, our communities, such, so much chaos and confusion. Lord, I pray that we would wait upon you on, in your word and that as we do that, Lord, you'd strengthen us in the inner man. Please, we pray for our nation. We pray for our leaders. We pray for our, the church, Big C, and this church, Calvary Chapel South. Please, Lord. And I was talking to Matt this morning. Revival, is revival coming? I don't know, Lord, but we are praying that you would turn us to you in repentance and faith. And that, Lord, our hearts would be moved during this time, a permanent work that deepen our faith in you, our trust in you, our obedience to you, Lord. Let us not, Lord, wander as we are prone to, but draw us to yourself in repentance and faith 
And then, Lord, obedience to the great commission to go out and preach. You have all authority to go out and preach the gospel, make disciples, and teaching them the things you've commanded. So, Lord, I could, we could spend the whole time here just praying, but we're lifting our voices to you in prayer, our hearts and minds to you in prayer, and asking, Lord, bless your word, feed us. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So this is one of those what I call ugly stories in the Bible. It proves, I believe, the Bible's authenticity. The Bible neither hides nor glamorizes the fallen human condition, sin. There's, from sin comes all kinds of evil, wretchedness. And we sinners, unfortunately, inherited a sinful nature from Adam. And so we are, apart from Christ, prone to sin. We are capable of the same kinds of things, even though uh, we may not think that. The fact is that sin is evil. So there are three things I want to talk to you about from this chapter. We're going to take this into next week also. As I was preparing, I realized this is two studies at least, maybe three. Here's what I want to talk about this morning. Three things. That emotions can go wrong. What, when they do, I've surrendered myself, in this case, to my anger. Now, how many of you would look at what's going on today and say, now, is that applicable or what? That my emotions can go wrong. Emotions do that. And when I surrender to my anger or other, it, that's when things begin to go wrong. Secondly, intentions can be wrong. In the anger we see in the story, I choose, they chose to avenge themselves. And the Bible says we are not to do that. How apical is that? for the season that we're in. But here's the third. Attention, God is always right. Would you say amen? amen? So I choose instead to surrender to God. Emotions can go wrong when I surrender to them, my anger. Intentions can be wrong when I choose to avenge myself. But attention, God is always right. I would say this. God is always right. Get used to it. Now, we don't like the fact that sometimes we're wrong. In fact, someone wrote a song, the hardest three words, I was wrong. That's repentance. Or this great certainty, bet your life on it. God is always right. Any questions? Well, let me tell you, I heard the no, but let me say, there are a lot of questions that come up. Look at what we're facing today and tell me you're not full of questions. Why this? Why that? How this? How that? I'll tell you, I'm full of them, and sometimes they just overwhelm me. Except I look to the cross, I look to Christ, and he is the answer to sin and everything that we see going on because God has a plan, a purpose. God is going to make all things right. God is right, always right. And I do well to keep my eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith, so that he can do what he wants to do. Amen. There's parts of me that wants to break down crying. There's parts of me that wants to scream in anger. And the only anchor that's in the veil is Christ and my relationship with him. So I continue wrestling along with you. And we must answer these questions by staying together. 
If we don't, we haven't answered them at all as the church. The world needs to see us answering this question in loving gospel unity. Or they will never see them being answered at all. Now, let me ask you a question. Does that make you uncomfortable? Because it should. These answers are our relationship with Christ, which requires taking up our cross daily and following him. And that is an affront to our sinful nature. Jesus said this. We're going to have a few scriptures today that I hope make you uncomfortable. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. And I look at that and I think, as I have loved you, Jesus went to the cross for me. They said, but that you also love one another. So you may not have that perfect love of that, but you still were commanded to love one another. Now, if you want to know the definition of love, read 1 Corinthians 13, and you'll note there it's not a feeling. It's an action. It's an attitude that brings an action, that I'm going to do what's right. By this, look, by this, all will know that you are my disciples. Now, that's, the, that's the, the difference. There are a lot of people out there following a lot of different things. But how about when we follow Jesus? You're my disciples. If you have love for one another. Another scripture, John 17, as Jesus is praying for his disciples, but not only his disciples, for those who would come after his disciples. This is the great high priestly prayer of John 17. I pray for them, his disciples. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours, and all mine are yours. Notice this, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. How? When we love one another. When we're surrendered and following him as his disciples. Another one, John 17, verse 20. I do not pray for these alone. Okay, now let's add to the prayer. <laughs> but for also for those who will believe me through their word, that's you and I, believers, that they also may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. Why? That the world may believe that you sent me. We should be challenged by these things. We should be convicted by these things. Why? Because we love Jesus. We want to follow Jesus. We want to grow in our faith. We want to be changed and transformed in the image of Christ. Now, let me say this. That's God's work, but we need to be yielding our members as instruments of righteousness to God. And say, okay, Lord, you're, you're the boss. <laughs> you call the shots. Ephesians chapter 4. Therefore, the, I, the prisoner of the Lord. What a great way to be a prisoner. The only way to be a prisoner. A prisoner of the Lord. Beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Endeavoring is agonizing. Keep it one. Keep us together. 
There is one body, seven things, one body, one spirit, as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in y'all. Came from the South. It's just one. There's one cause. It's that of Christ, the church. Now, these things that, ha- that God has allowed to happen at this time, right here in our own backyards, are putting the genuineness of our faith to the test. That's what's happening. Peter said this very thing. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has what? According to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope through what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready revealed in the last time. We go, yeah. Wow. That's what awaits us. He goes on. In this you greatly rejoice, though now. (laughs) Why did that have to be in there? Though now for a, notice, little while, these things shall pass. What? If need be. God looks at the situations in our lives and says, this is needed. If need be, you have been grieved by various trials. That's emotion. Grieved. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. That's emotion and full of glory. I say, Lord, please, you got to get a hold of my heart. You got to deepen my faith, Lord. Now, as I said, in preparing this message, I realized this morning it's more than one. So next week I want to look at some things. I'll get to it in a minute. But listen, emotions can go wrong, and they do when I surrender to my anger or give it another, put another emotion. Let's talk, we'll talk about anger this morning because that's a powerful emotion. And I would bet to say every one of us in this room has gone through lately more angry sort of phases than you do normally. Now, here's what I want to emphasize this morning. Listen, brothers and sisters, we can't be getting angry at one another. If there is angry, be angry and do not sin. Don't let it, don't surrender to it, particularly in a relationship with, in, in the body of Christ. We need to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. James talks about where do, these, where do these things come? The wars that go on inside of you. Sometimes those wars inside begin playing themselves out outside. And I believe the Holy Spirit this morning wants to say to us, we must stay together. We must stay together. Dinah is violated. She's raped. She's defiled by this Hivite named Shechem. This is not right. This is sin. Shechem is wrong. However, in an attempt by these Hivites, they try to make amends. 
It seems that Jacob was able to control. He said he held his peace to control the emotions for a little while. And it would seem through the story, as we'll get to it in a moment, it would seem through the story that he even knew that what was going on with his sons was wrong. And he was holding his peace, it seems, even then. However, his sons held their peace just long enough to set these men up to kill them. That's intention. The situation is emotionally charged. And you look through this story, there's emotion all over the place. He loved the young woman. That's emotion. That's strong. They were grieved. That's an emotion, and it's powerful. They were, it says, very angry. They said it's a disgraceful thing. So that emotionally charged situation becomes emotionally explosive. That's what happens when unrestrained anger is let go. So verse 8, Hamor spoke with them saying, the soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter, powerful, please give me her to him, give her to him as wife. And make marriage with us. Give your daughters to us and take our daughters to yourselves. So you shall dwell with us and the land shall be before you. Dwell and trade in it and acquire possessions for yourselves in it. Then Shechem said to her father and her brothers, Let me find favor in your eyes and whatever you say to me, I will give. Ask me ever so much dowry and gift and I will, I will give according to what, what you say to me. But give me the young woman as a wife. Hamor and Shechem asked for marriage, whatever it takes. Now, I find interesting, I hadn't noticed this until I went through to replace words with, with formatting, the term whatever has hate in it. Whatever. And what I, what I thought of was hidden in this whatever is hatred. They don't know it. Whatever it takes. And so, whether it was infatuation, lust, genuine love, Maybe even greed as motivating because they want to get a hold of some of the stuff that Jacob, has, who's very wealthy, has. We'll look at that in verse 23. All are powerful emotions. Jacob's sons were grieved and very angry. Powerful emotions. Emotions can go wrong when I surrender to my anger. Emotions, I think, are strange. They're weird. Even in this story. Violated and defiled her, then loved her and spoke kindly to her. Now I, he longs for her, and get this, Dinah is staying in his house. It's crazy. Emotions just are. How we respond to them either diffuses or empowers them. It either helps or hinders a godly response, brothers and sisters in the Lord, Christians. Emotions are powerful and emotions are weak. They weaken. Emotions are beautiful, but they can also be ugly. Emotions are marvelous, but they can also be very mundane. Emotions are courageous. But they can also be very dangerous. 
Emotions can clear up and they can mucky up. Emotions can free up and they can chain up. Emotions can enable and they can enfeeble. How many of you say amen to all of those things? That's, the, that's, that's emotion. And it just is. They are. Anger can result in any number of these conflicting traits. Second, intentions can be wrong. I choose now to avenge myself. That's what's happening here. Look at verse 13. But the sons of Jacob answered Shechem and Hamor, his father, verse 13, and spoke deceitfully because he had defiled Dinah, their sister. And they said to them, we cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, for that would be an approach, a reproach to us. But on this condition, we will consent to you. They're setting them up for the kill. If you will become as we are, if every male of you is circumcised, then we will give our daughters to you, and we will take your daughters to us, and we will dwell with you, and we will become one people. But if you will not heed us and be circumcised, then we will take our daughter and be gone. So they devised this deceitful plot to murder these men, all of them. It's interesting to me that they are using circumcision, the sign of God's covenant with Abraham, to carry out this pernicious plan. What crossed my mind, and I'm no, I'm no scholar or studying the history of the evils that have been carried out by the, by the church, but there have been many. You want to know what the church to be like? Don't look at history. It's littered with badness. You got to look at the book of Acts. The Crusades. Christians murderously acting, murderous acts marching under the banner of the cross. Slavery, which we're hearing a lot about these days. Christians approving the owning and oppressing of another human being. That's what happened. But the church also was involved in the process of abolishing it. Today, the so-called, quote-unquote, church, capital C, is denying the essentials of the Christian faith. Embracing idolatries, immoralities, and flat-out blasphemies against God in the name of Christ. Now, we're going to get, we'll come back to this next week, and I want to address these next week. Let's continue in the story. And their words pleased Hamor and Shechem, Hamor, Shechem, Hamor's son. So the young man did not delay to do the thing. Now, this guy was honorable. Because he delighted in Jacob's daughter, he was more honorable than all the household of his father. And Hamor and Shechem, his son, came to the gate of their city and spoke with the men of their city, saying, These men are at peace with us, so he thought. Therefore, let them dwell in the land and trade in it. For indeed, the land is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters to us as wives, and let us give them our daughters. Only on this condition will the men consent to dwell with us, and be, to be one people, if every male among us is circumcised, as they are circumcised. Will not their livestock, their property... So here may be one of the motivations. Hey, here's what we get. <laughs> and every animal of theirs be ours. Only let us consent to them, and they will dwell with us. And all who went out of the gate of, of this, his city... He did Hamor and Shechem, his son. Every male was circumcised, all who went out of the gate of the city. Now it came to pass in the third day, when they were in pain, that two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brother, so all uh, of Jacob and Leah descendant, 
Each took his sword and came boldly upon the city and killed all the males. And they killed Hamor and Shechem, his son, with the edge of the sword. And notice, took Dinah from Shechem's house and went out. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain. Now they kill them all. And now the other sons come and plundered the city because their sister had been defiled. They took their sheep, their oxen, their donkeys, what was in the city and what was in the field, and all their wealth, all their little ones and their wives, and took captive, and they plundered even all those, all that was in the houses. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have troubled me by making me obnoxious among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites, and since I am few in number, they will gather themselves together against me and kill me. I shall be destroyed, my household and I. But they said... Should he treat our sister like a, like a harlot? And of course, the answer is, no, that's wrong. But they're justifying killing them all. See, I'll look at this next week, but this is beyond vengeance. It's evil. We'll look at this next week. Two wrongs, someone said, don't make a right, but they make a good excuse. I don't know if we want to amen that or not. <laughs> Listen, situational ethics, where the ethic is determined by the situation. This is materialistic, godless mindset. God's word must be our standard for right and wrong, or else there is no standard. If I get to determine the standard, who are you to tell me that that's wrong? And we are seeing the results of this ideology all over the place. It results in chaos, anarchy, and destruction. Another quote. One of the biggest difficulties in our society is that we try to locate the evil in somebody else and then get rid of them. I am concerned for our nation. I am. I know you are too. Attention. God is always right. I choose instead then to surrender to God. If there's any hope for our nation, it's that we are surrendering to God. Through the gospel. Did Simeon and Levi get away with it? They did not. We read in Genesis chapter 49. Simeon and Levi, now this is Jacob, in a sense blessing, but prophesying about the future of his sons. And of these two, he says, instruments of cruelty are in their dwelling place. Let not my soul enter their council. Let not my honor be united to their assembly. For in their anger they slew a man. In their self-will they hamstrung an ox. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. David Guzik in his commentary wrote this. The prophetic word of God through Jacob proved true. The tribes of Simeon and Levi were scattered among Israel. The tribe of Simeon, due to their lack of faithfulness, was effectively dissolved as a tribe and absorbed into that area of Judah. The tribe of Levi was also scattered as the Levitical priesthood, but because of the faithfulness of this tribe during the rebellion of the golden calf, 
the tribe was scattered as a blessing throughout the whole nation of Israel. I find this very fascinating. Both were scattered, but one as a blessing and the other as a curse. David Guzik. So this ugly study story surfaces so many very important topics. We might call them issues. We might call them concerns, questions, problems, disputes. So again, next week, but I say again, we must wrestle this out together. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. We need to conform a more complete unity. And to that, we can only ask God to humble my heart. To give me perspective. What does this mean? How do I do this? What happens? Now, I spend little or no time on social media. That is not a moral statement. It's just what it is. I prefer the face-to-face. I prefer the voice communication. Otherwise, it's too easy to misinterpret what I'm reading. I can read into things real easy in my own insecurities or my own opinions. Now, on the other hand, sometimes it's very easy to know what's being communicated. And much that is written would never be written if it were face to would never be said if it were face to face. You know what I'm talking about. Social media has exposed our cowardice. And as Christians, our lack of the love of God, not only for one another, but for the world. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. These things need to stop. James nails it down tight. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but the tongue, but no man can tame the tongue. How many of you would say amen to that? You need to, it's God's word. No man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless God, our God and Father, and with it we curse men who are made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. God help us. Now, it's interesting to me in this passage in James, what he goes right into is the wisdom of God, asking for the wisdom of God. Because he says the wisdom of this world, when there's envy and evil, that's not of God. The tongue. God, help us. In other words, bite your tongue. In other words, don't push send. Click send. In other words, don't post it. I was just talking to someone that they'll write up these posts and then wait a while and then they delete them. So I say write them, but don't send them. <laughs> if they're any kind of incendiary, opinionated attack, don't do it. 
This is what I say. Delete it. You'll be glad you did. Emotions go wrong when I surrender to my anger. Intentions can be wrong when I choose to avenge myself. But attention, God is always right. Get used to it. Any questions? I choose instead to surrender to God. This ugly story surfaces these questions and truths that we must wrestle with. So, here, so let's talk about individual accountability. Can we have that one? Individual accountability be, to God. Let's talk about governing authorities as appointed by God. Let's talk about the abuse of vengeance as though it's, be, it's approved by God. That's not true. Let's talk about the, vi- the use of violence against another human being. See, these are what we're dealing with here. This, is what we're t- this story is today. This is for us today. What about our individual accountability to God? I'll just say this. I'm going to get it next week, but I Listen. It's not the mob that's accountable to God. It's each individual person in the mob. But I'll tell you what's happening in the church. It's removing that individual accountability before God and making it a social gospel. Listen, we must understand the problem is the heart of people. The problem is the sin. It's not systemics, it's sin-stemic. The root of all the problems we see, whether it's in government, justices, whatever, is because the individuals are sinners. Okay, I'd be careful because I'm, I'm going. So to close, how are we doing here? To close, I believe the heart of God is hurting today. With us, and over us, and for us. Jesus wept at the tomb because death had so defeated his family. Jesus wept when coming into Jerusalem. So the individual, and then he sees the city, and he weeps for the city. If only you know the things that you could have had today, but, you, but they're hidden from your eyes because you didn't see me. The same thing at the tomb. I am the resurrection of the life. Jesus over the city, you didn't see me, you didn't know. But the final place that Jesus wept when he's in the garden wrestling with the devil, wrestling with the sin, wrestling to go to the cross. And Hebrews tells us it's as though we have great drops of sweat. As he agonized there, he wrestled like you and I will never wrestle. And he did it not for himself, but for us. He, I believe the heart of God hurts today. For us and with us and over us. So what I want to do this morning is let the scriptures speak for themselves. And asking God to help us surrender our emotions our feelings, our intentions, our attitudes. Help us to surrender them, if need be, in repentance. God, help us. Amen. God, help us. That our faith is anchored in the word of God and the gospel of his love, mercy, and grace.
my emotions are wanting to take charge and run roughshod, contrary to what I know is right and, and loving according to God. I see it, I feel it, I know it. My intentions are tested, and the depravity of my heart towards wrong is exposed. That's what's going on. Am I willing to surrender and trust God? Have a deeper faith that my faith has yet to lay hold of? The depths of knowing not just the power of his resurrection, but the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his image. Here's the scriptures. I'll read them through. And I would I'd like to close by just going to God in prayer together. First Peter, what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called because Christ also suffered, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps who committed no sin. Nor was deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, did not revile back in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. We'll look at vengeance next week. You see, the condition for discipleship is to take our cross daily, follow Jesus, and he's the example. What is right that we act in a godly manner no matter what another person does to us or is doing? Not fretting because of evil doers is right. Bringing, being slow to anger is right. Being slow to wrath is right. Re resisting evil is right. Turning the other cheek is right. Overcoming evil with good is right. Not reviling in return is right. Not threatening in return is right. Not returning evil for evil is right. Turning away from evil is right. So let me close with this passage from Romans, and then I want us to take a moment together pray. Paul asked the brethren at the church in Rome two questions in connection with what we're talking about this morning and next week. Notice in Romans chapter 14, it says, Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. Stop arguing. Just receive. Verse 4, Who are you to judge another servant? <laughs> well, I... I thought I could. <laughs> to his own master he stands and falls. In other words, you're not the master. Get over it. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. When we look at our brothers and sisters, understand we're not the master. I'm not the master. So, who are you to judge another servant? He's not answering to you. She's not answering to you, ultimately. Now, verse 10. 
But first question, why do you judge your brother? Well, I, I can give you a million reasons. <laughs> and we got a lot of them. I got a million of them. Or strike question, why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all, emphasize, underline, all, stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says God, and he always lives, every knee shall bow to me. I want to say something to you. We can't lose sight. We are not going to be judged for salvation. We're going to be judged for how we've lived our lives at the judgment seat of Christ. When we see him, we're going to bow before him. Our knees are going to bow. Not like you, you bow. No, we're, Lord, you are worthy. You go to Revelation. What happens? The worthy is the lamb who was slain. He's redeemed for every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And we shall rule with him on the earth. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and blessings for you. You have created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. God, you're it. And I look forward to that day. I don't know what it's going to be like, but I'm going to tell you we're going to be shattered in one sense. The majesty. And being there before God. And that's what's coming. That's what's coming. So then each of us, each of us, shall give account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another, listen, anymore. Can we just lay that down right now in our hearts? Amen. Can we say anymore, let us judge right, anymore, but rather receive this, but now to resolve this, resolve it. Not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. It's a resolve of heart, like Daniel. He purposed his heart not to defile. We must resolve our heart. Listen, when I come up against something, I can say, hold on a second, hold on a second. What does God say? What does the Bible say? What am, how am I supposed to respond to it? And I'm going to tell you, you will be tested. I have been tested. We will continue to be tested. You will, we're going to be testing these things because what God's doing is he's testing our faith, which is much more precious than gold that perishes. We go into a deeper relationship with God when we understand that I may know the power of your resurrection. Yeah. And the fellowship of your sufferings. Let me say this to you. Intimacy comes through suffering. C.S. Lewis said, God whispers in all of our joys. He shouts in our pain. Let's pray. Father, we bow before you. And we ask in Jesus' name, as we look at these scriptures and we look at our hearts and we realize, Lord, there's so many things that are vying for our allegiance, vying for our opinion, vying for our voice. And Lord, we know in some of these spheres of influence that we have that we need to be the example. We need to be the voice. We need to share with people the things that we do believe, the things that we're convicted about. But Lord, may it be in alignment with your heart. May, it, may our attitudes be surrendered to your purposes and your goals in loving people, in caring for people, in being a light for people, being salt. 
Lord, I hardly know how to pray except to say, Lord, please, as we come to you in this final song, as we bow our hearts together as the church, your people, and Lord, we're praying there's anyone watching today, anyone listening today that doesn't know you, that what we're sharing here is not just some idea. This is the truth. This is what you have done for us, and therefore, because of your love for us, we want to go out and be the same example, to follow in your steps, to follow, Lord, the things that you've given to us as your ambassadors, that we're representing heaven to a lost world. If there's anyone that's listening, Lord, I pray that through these things, you would cause them to understand their need for you, their need for you, Lord.